You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A delayed by a week live show, and uh, but we're happy to be here. We've got obviously plenty to talk about today. Um, Maggie, you want to give the people the most exciting update? Obviously, oh, that we met in person. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what is the update? Yeah, we officially know each other. <laughs> we officially hung out. Yeah. I've snuggled her dog. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Wisconsin was fun. Um, I was just telling Nagler before the show that um, I needed a little break from all the beer and fried food, but I had a great time and will be returning shortly. Literally, yeah, in what, like six weeks? Seven weeks? Yeah, very soon. Um, Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, We're live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch. Um, We started Twitch page so we have multiple different um platforms where you can stream us now which is very exciting um we have like i said so much to talk about this is going to be a pretty jam-packed show and if you wait kind of through to the second half of the show we are going to have a guest um a very fun guest who is going to bring some very uh i'd say unique insights right for sure He's got some things to say that, that nobody else knows about or has seen. Um, but first, there's a couple of other things that have happened. You know, mandatory minicamp started today. Packers signed a new player. So um, let's talk about that for a second before we dive into kind of all the other stuff. Um, the Packers signed, Maggie, you can probably pronounce his name better than I can. Devondre Campbell. Thank you. Inside linebacker, formerly with the Falcons. Um, Haven't been able to do any kind of dive into him, but I know that you've been doing some look into just the inside linebacker position in general with this new Joe Barry scheme. So wondering if you have any thoughts on what he's going to bring to the table. 
Yeah, it was a very timely signing today because I had an article come out for Cheesehead TV about the inside linebackers um, and just kind of looking at, I mean, Joe Barry by trade was an inside linebacker at USC, was an inside linebackers coach with the 2002 Super Bowl winning Bucks. Um, he's coached pro bowlers. So, and I mean, most recently with Corey Littleton, who I know Packers fans really wanted a couple of years ago when he was a free agent before he signed with the Raiders. So just kind of looking at what he was able to do with the Rams' number one ranked defense last season, how he attributed to the Brandon Staley defense, um, who obviously Brandon Staley got hired for that defense. So if Joe Barry is able to implement any of that in Green Bay, I think we should see a significant jump from the inside linebackers. But yeah, you and I have talked on the Packs What She Said podcast before about um, just the idea that the Packers typically bring in some type of vet at the inside linebacker position. And I think they're in good hands with Barnes and Martin. It seems like Ty Summers has been getting some, some looks with the ones, but yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of on brand for Goody to, to go in and also get a vet. And Campbell is about as reliable as they come as far as he's played, you know, at least 75% of snaps on defense and 16 out of 16 games for the bulk of his career. Love that. Someone who may or may not get hurt too badly for us. Uh, yeah, I think it, yeah. I mean, there's always uh, signings in and around camp time, just kind of like fill some of those roster roster holes. And it sounds like now we're at, the Packers are at full 90 man, um, but they haven't had to cut anybody because of a few COVID protocol, um, which we learned about today. Uh, yeah. Shockingly, there's four Packers that are going through COVID protocols. Doesn't mean they have, uh, a positive test or anything just means there was some level of, of tracing there. So um, yeah, really exciting. Um, I am really looking forward to hearing how some of these inside linebackers look in camp and who's running with the ones. It sounds like in the very limited time, it's been Chris Barnes, um, which shouldn't be a surprise, but um, yeah, I, the only thing I read about Campbell today was that he was a very strong tackler. And again, just something the Packers have not had in a while, especially in the middle of the field. So um, yeah. And I mean, I think that was, wasn't that one of the things from Joe Barry's presser? He basically said like, we will tackle. Like that was like the <laughs> ground zero of being able to play in his defense. We had with Mike Patton, it was Ben don't break. And then we play a lot of dime with Joe Barry. It's like, we tackle. And that's, <laughs> I hope that's all I you hope need to know. Do. Yeah. I hope <laughs> they do. Um, okay. Thanks everyone for joining us. Look at here. We've got people from all over. Um, <laughs> Uh, what's up, Big B? Hope you're doing well. Brandy, Jersey Al, this is great. Okay, it's been a while since we did one. We've done one of these. Um, so, so what should we should we talk about something? Is there like a really pressing, important topic that we should cover? Like an elephant from California, just in the room somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's just get it over. Let's just get it over with because nobody really wants to hear anymore. I don't even know how much more we have to add to this narrative, but if you somehow didn't see today, Aaron Rodgers didn't show up to camp. Ah, let's all freak out. Um, yeah. Aaron Rodgers didn't come to camp. It's fine. I, I don't know. I, I didn't expect him to, if he had, I would have been surprised. Um, we kind of had a thought last night and he's not around. Um, yeah, he's going to get fined. Okay. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I've been thinking about this all day. I've been racking my brain all day, like trying to come up with, all right, that, those are the facts. Fine. Like, does this actually mean anything? No. 
I, I don't know about you, but like, I just don't think it means much. I think if anything, actually, um, it's probably a good thing for Jordan Love because he doesn't have like, you, you called him an elephant in the room. He is an elephant in the room. And even if he had shown up today, it still would have been an elephant in the room. And then you get, you know, something, something Devonte Adams said during one of his pressers today stood out to me, which was like, Jordan didn't get to really like be himself last season because he's new and he's a rookie and he's a quarterback and all the controversy and didn't want to step on quote 12's toes. Um, and this year they're getting to see him step into like that more of a leadership role. And I think that's important for him and for his confidence. And he wouldn't get to do that if Rogers showed up. So he's getting all the one snaps great for development, no matter how he looks. Yeah. And I mean, I think that what we're seeing is, you know, everybody has like their own controllables, right? And that's, you know, they're controlling what they can control. And obviously guys like David Bakhtiari and Devontae Adams know the situation. And when you're, you know, one score away from potentially going to the Super Bowl, like that matters a lot. But these guys also understand that like you can't change what's going on with Aaron. You can maybe talk to him a little bit, but at the end of the day, he's going to make his own decisions. And it's like Devontae said, he's from East Palo Alto, uh, California. And he's like, I'm not going to, you know, miss out on the money that I have earned and worked really hard for, just like David Bakhtiari wanting to come back and have his opportunity to, you know, get back into the offense. So I think that, you know, this is really good for Jordan Love and we're going to see guys rally around him. But at the same time, like, it's, I don't think anybody's surprised, I guess I should say that he's not there today. No, not at all. Um, I think if anything, the rest of the team being there, says more to me than anything else um yeah. obviously everybody overreacted about the wide receivers not showing up that clearly wasn't a a thing uh and Devonte even addressed it today too being like i just wanted more time with my daughter right um like, it's like so i didn't wholesome. stage a coup like, not, like, yeah, like, not dramatic at all um so yeah i mean everyone's there and i like their attitude about it like you said the controllables but just like what are they gonna do they're gonna show up to their job and they're gonna do the work and they're going to mind their business. And what's what's the Marshawn Lynch? Take care of your mentals. Take care of your chickens. Um, yeah. And that's what, that's what they're doing. <laughs> well, yeah. and I think it's, I mean, it's nice to see. We expected it. But, you know, Jordan Love obviously was always behind Tim Boyle last season in training camp. So the fact that, yes, they have Kurt Benkert, they have Blake Bortles, but Jordan Love is still taking the the one reps that's huge for him. It's not like, you know, Blake Bortles comes in and all of a sudden Jordan Love is like scooted down the depth chart again. Yeah. Um, it looked like in team periods, he was getting like 95% of those reps. And that's all huge to him, especially, you know, in this virtual offseason he had last year where he didn't really get much of that. Yeah, he needs them. Exactly. He missed so much time. Um, and again, like if he ends up being the starter and is under center, he needs as many reps as possible because that was not exactly the timeline that anybody thought that he would have um, in store. And yeah, he is going to have ups and downs. That's okay. Um, he's not going to look like a rock star. I don't think, again, I don't think it means much. It's like one day. It's his first time throwing to all these receivers um, and tight ends and running backs. So it's okay. Like let everything is a learning process. Um, but yeah, he's got, he's, he's QB one right now because Rogers is somewhere. <laughs> I think maybe he's in still, California. Okay. I was gonna say maybe he's still in Hawaii. Maybe he's home. Maybe he's somewhere else. Um, okay. So what, what is like early predictor? We did this pre-show, but 
for everybody listening? Like what's early prediction? What happens? So Nagler and I are in agreement. I think that you kind of felt the same way about this, but in my brain, either Aaron Rodgers comes back for training camp and he's the week one starter or he just up and retires. Like I don't see him getting traded and I'm honestly not even sure. Like I don't want to put any thought into his brain. I don't know him. I don't want to speak for him, but I don't know if he wants to get traded. Like I think he realizes that his best friends in the league are here. He's got Devante. He's got the best left tackle. Like why would he want to go somewhere else who will have to deplete their own roster to acquire him? Like yeah. he's, he's got some of his best weapons already. His friends are here. He likes Matt LaFleur's offense. He can do what he wants in this offense, which likely wouldn't happen under like John Gruden. So I think if he, you know, doesn't feel supported long-term by the Packers, he'll just he'll retire because that's, I mean, I think he's stubborn enough to do that. I think he is too. I think he enjoyed Jeopardy enough. I think that he'd (laughs) make plenty of money doing anything else. Um, He's already made a boatload of money. Uh, My only thought is like the competitor in him would probably, there's him retiring means like he's accepting that he's only going to win one ring. Um, I'm not sure that that's something that he's ready to accept, especially when he's like, I feel like I can, play for another five years and I don't know like how wild would it be if the reigning MVP who didn't win a ring that season just was like meh I'm done mm, yeah I don't know yeah no I was just gonna say like it it would be a completely different scenario if the Packers were in like a rebuild and they were continuously going five and eleven five and twelve now and he just you know was like yeah I'm this isn't worth risking like injury or long-term effects on my health to keep chasing something that likely isn't attainable. But I think in that kind of situation, maybe the Packers would be more open to trading him if they know that they need to acquire assets for a rebuild. So the fact that they're like knocking on the door of a Super Bowl in consecutive seasons and now he's like, whoa, right. Like that's what makes this so interesting because he's just little petty he's a little petty and that's like fine like do you like you're right you're at the top of the game like you can do whatever you want you can feel the way you feel um I uh you know you watch like Julio Jones gets traded I know that this comparison is not exactly it, it, it's it's not one-to-one because completely different players completely different organizations and different positions but like you kind of watch Julio get traded Flacco's like look whatever respect you want to go somewhere else go He's kind of on the wrong side of 30 and a bunch of injuries. Go finish off your career somewhere else. Like you're not going to do that for your franchise quarterback. And you're not going to do that when he just won MVP. Um, And then again, my thought is like, okay, yeah, Julio Jones gets sent to the AFC. Obviously, why would that, why would an NFC team ship him to another NFC team? Like does Aaron Rodgers really want to go play in the AFC? Because you know, the Packers aren't trading him to an NFC team. They're just not going to do that if they trade him. So does he really want to go and have to compete with, Justin Herbert and um, Patrick Mahomes and, you know, all of the the entire like stacked, like Josh Allen, AFC, like, no, if yeah. he wants to win a ring, he stays here. Well, you and I have talked about this, how everything kind of flip-flops as far as conferences where the AFC now has all the young guns and the NFC a couple of years ago had all the young guns. So it's just kind of funny. Like we're seeing, obviously Drew Brees is gone. Tom Brady is an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Just nobody knows. I don't know what TB12 is, but he should bottle it and sell it if he isn't already, you know, like like the potion of life. But there's so many guys that are retiring and slowing down that it's it's just, yeah, it's like you said, it's funny to think about Aaron Rodgers then shifting away from the NFC where he will have 
like almost stiffer competition in the AFC because you are seeing guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen who will have long-term successful careers with their teams. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's our Rogers take. Did we, is there anything else to add? <laughs> I don't even know what else to say at this point. It just like. Until we hear it from him there. I like, I mean, Matt LaFleur is not going to talk. Mark Murphy said he's not going to talk. Okay. Talk. I think it's so funny. Every, I get why they do it. I understand why all the reporters have to ask, but like, what what is David Bakhtiari and Devonte Adams and Matt Lafleur going to say that's actually like all that enlightening about the situation? Right. And I thought some of their answers were actually quite nice. Where they, I did not mark. I'm sorry. Mentioned <laughs> Baker is an elite QB. I apologize. Um, I think like they had very interesting perspectives of their own feelings about it. But nothing new is coming out about the actual situation. And no one is going to give you anything in a press conference. Right. And I mean, even like, I think it was on the Pat McAfee show that he was talking about, like, imagine being AJ Hawk and some of his best friends in this situation where you are in, you, you are kind of a media personality. And, you know, there's people that have more information maybe about insights or Bakhtiari at the Derby, right? Like you're trying to enjoy what is a vacation, with somebody yeah. that you probably haven't seen for most of the off season. And then this is happening right around it. So I think it is like a, a difficult scenario for them, especially a guy like Devonte Adams. I mean, Bakhtiari resigned, so he's locked up and secure, but with Devonte having a looming extension, I'm sure that that is in the back of his mind, but you know, what, what more can they say at this point? They're not going to say like, screw the Packers organization and they're not going to say screw 12. So yeah, yeah. they're going to yeah. have their guys back. Yeah, they're going to say what they said. Although I did find their answers actually, like, not very, you know, coach speak, if you will. Yeah, they weren't, like, scripted. They were. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so does, more importantly, honest, Nagler disagrees with me on this because we've had this conversation before. But I think also, like, just as important is extending Devontae. And I'm wondering, like, is that something that we see anytime soon? Or does this get pushed into the season well, I or know that he... there were, yeah, I mean, I know there were jokes today because he was talking to Mark Murphy, like, what are they talking about? Can't just be the weather, you know, like he knows yeah. that he's supposed to get his money, but it's a, it's a shitty year. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on our live stream, but it, I mean, the way that the Packers are just kind of like kicking the, the money can down the road, like you have to imagine that restructures and extensions are coming. Like Zadarius is probably going to get one, but Jair is also going to be needing some money really soon. And, you know, you would have to think if you're prioritizing one player or the other, Jair is the priority. So that doesn't really leave you at this point a ton. That's interesting that you say that. I don't. Would you disagree though? Right. So, I mean, I mean, Jair, they're, bo they're both all pros. Like what? <laughs> yeah. You have to sign both of them. But Jair's the, fu the future more. So, right. It's an age thing, I think, when it comes down to, like, that would be yeah. the tiebreaker. Yeah. I don't know. I think Devontae's still really important, like, the the offense. Oh, yeah. But then the devil – okay, so I, I've been doing this recently where I say something and then I devil's advocate myself. And, like, the devil's advocate, which I know Nagler is thinking right now behind the scenes, is that the Packers won every single game that Devontae missed when he was hurt. So – and I don't know, is that a fluke? Is that just because the Packers didn't really lose any games the past couple of seasons? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of variables in there, but I still think that he is important. And I do think that regardless of cap, they, they're going to move enough around 
to find a way to extend both. I can't imagine yeah. that the priority is not both players. Um, they picked up Jair's fifth year option, didn't they? So yeah. sorry that I'm not a cap and like contract guru, but does that mean that they have another year to figure out an extent, a, a new contract for him? Yeah, so he was a 2018 pick, so they have him now through. But I mean, I, w- I would think they would get the the extension done as soon as possible. As soon just as possible, like, anyway. Just so like it would Devante. just kick in a year later. Yeah, but okay, cool. we're learning things on Packs What She Said Live. Look at us. <laughs> Look at us. Look at all red dot blinking. Um, okay, you guys, with all these love puns in the chat, is really <laughs> funny. Um, I I I love them. Um, there's a lot love or let me be lonely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all is full of love. Okay. Nice. Um, if you have any questions, obviously, you know, send them in. That's what we're here for. We're just here to chat. Um, anything else from today that stood out to you? Want to talk about Funches? Yeah, I, I really like him and I, I, was excited to see what he had before his presser, but giving him one of kind of the early mini camp spots to get to talk. I think it was really beneficial, you know, even for fans to hear from him because, you know, I think sometimes we forget like, you know, you're, you're a Packer fan and you're a fan of like the logo and the team. And sometimes we forget that the players are people and they have reasons for things. So hearing him talk about like the reasons that he opted out of last season and that this is still like football is his passion and, you know, Matt LaFleur and, all of the analysts that were there today, the beat reporters were saying how much Funches seems to fit in the offense. So all of that kind of culminates into understanding why the Packers were so excited about bringing him in last year, even though he wasn't like the splash wide receiver that maybe a lot of fans wanted. And now he could roll into the season and be a, a real key contributor in a Matt LaFleur offense, which is exciting. Yeah, I agree. I I think he like might still be fringe, but that's only because he's just like a year behind everybody. But it sounds yeah. like I loved the snippet about how him and Devonte have been FaceTiming yeah. um, since he signed. So they have like a nice relationship um, going there. That's great. Love that. Um, I think he also had one of the best quotes about Rod- the Roger situation. Yeah, he did. Uh, just, you know, about, and, and I think it was very encompassing of what the whole team feels probably, which is again, like, we're going to go out there and we're going to win football games no matter who's out there with us. It's not going to change our mindset. Um, and, and you know, he was there for the Andrew Luck situation, which, like, feels like a really long time ago. But it really was not a long time ago at all. Uh, um, so he actually has, like, a much, I don't know, different perspective on Rodgers. And so he's he's there taking care of business. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think people forget too, that he has been to the Super Bowl. Like I know that he didn't win the Super Bowl, but he was there with Carolina. Like he would talked about, like you take your best 11 guys and you go as far as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> as in learning so I think much. he's like what, 27, 28, but learning yeah. So much. And I mean like not to circle back to this, but when we were talking about like whether or not you resign, you know, Jair and Devante, I think, view and everybody has like a different moment right where they knew Devonte was going to be really special but i think we know Devonte will be good without rogers because we saw him do it with brett huntley and that's not like no disrespect to jordy but like Devonte was brett yeah. huntley's security blanket yeah 
And I think that the very same thing could happen with Jordan Love. And I, I like Devonte is an like an All Pro class act kind of guy. So as much as we talk about like what will the team look like, I think the Devin Funches thing where he says like you take your eleven yeah. and you do the best you can, like that will be applicable. So before we bring on our very special guest, I do want to get your thoughts on this because I saw it kind of on the timeline today, and I'm curious about it. Do you think the Packers owe it to the other 89 guys? to kind of make a decision as soon as possible. So that, like, is it unfair About to somebody Rogers? like, yeah, well, I mean, like, is it unfair to the team to be, and to Jordan Love to be like, Hey, we're just going to let Aaron kind of string this along until September when we go down to new Orleans. Or is it like, Hey, we, like, is there a, a point where the team needs to, to take a stance? I feel like it's not, I don't know. Maybe it's not obvious, but in my mind, it's pretty obvious what the stance is right now, which is like, until Rogers shows, you just assume that it's Jordan. You put Jordan, you see them, he's been there with the ones. You want to get him as comfortable and as ready as possible. If Rogers come, comes back, then that's a pretty easy sort of fill in. It's not like it's a couple of years ago when it was a new scheme with Matt LaFleur. Like he doesn't need that much time. Yeah. Um, I think that's my assumption is that's what they're going with. Um, I think somebody asked Matt LaFleur actually about it today on, on the presser, like at what point do you, and he was like, we just take it day by day. I mean, it's, we have until September. Um, right. But I would assume, and maybe assuming is not the right way to go, but if it was me out there, which it's not, um, <laughs> that I would just be like, look, here's who's here. Let's play with who's here. Let's get as comfortable with this offense and this playbook with who's here. And if 12 comes back, amazing. He can just slide right in. Yep. But if not, like we need to be ready for week one. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I think that that's, I mean, these are all professionals and, you know, even the guys that did show up for some of that initial practice, like Zadarius and Kenny, like these are guys that know that they may have to take even larger roles as team captains. Like, I mean, who's the team captain on offense if it's not Aaron Rodgers? Maybe Devontae Adams at this point, Mercedes Lewis. Like, these are guys that know, Bach. even if he's not there. Yeah, Bakhtiari, like, it's it's going to be significant, and they're going to have to speak up even more. And I think Devontae kind of alluded to that in his presser today. Like, he said, like, I know at this point I'm, like, the vet in the wide receiver room. I'm one of the the vocal leaders on the team. So even if, like, whatever's going on is background noise, and we just have to – the Devin Funches take your best 11 thing is going to be, like – the yeah. quote of the offseason because it, it's what they'll do yeah it's a, it's what they have to do which i think answers your question which is like okay who's our 11 here it's gonna be love and like i don't know it looked like we'll find out from our our guest but it, <laughs> it looks like bortles was slinging it today too um i don't know i don't know i'm not freaking out should i be i'm i'm just kind of like it is what it is I, I mean, okay. I think that there was like, it's been like a, a roller coaster, right? Where when it happened on draft night, everybody freaked out one because it was draft night and you're like, if a move's going to happen, it might happen when there's first round picks available. And, you know, and then after everything came out that it's like, oh, you don't have to worry until June 1st. Cause then the, the dead cap is just too much. So we're kind of doing one of these where I think we're hitting our lull where it's like, what, what more can be said? And then like breaking news could come out, you know, when this show ends and then we'll feel a different way. But I think right now it's just like, literally what else can anybody say until Aaron Rodgers comes out and says like, I'm retiring or I'm demanding a trade or I'll be in green Bay when camp starts, everybody calm down. Like everything else is speculation. 
Yeah. Oh God, I'm so over this. Oh, I'm so <laughs> over it. I'd rather talk about anything else. Then let's talk about something else. I think that's why I'm not freaking out because I'm just like, I'm am I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm like kind of excited about Jordan Love, even if he ends up sucking. Like it's just anything other than this. Um, okay. What else happened today? I liked David Bakhtiari's uh, discussion about how his rehab is going. Mm -hmm. I appreciate I'm going to shout out MK Burgess because she asked a really great question about his mental health and how he handled that. And I thought he gave a really, really um, kind of poignant and lovely answer um, that it was difficult. And then you have to like, you know, I've never torn my ACL before. Um, I've heard that it's a mega, mega problem for the lay person. I'm sure it's some obviously something athletes bounce back from, but um, can take a really long time to recover from. Um, and it sounds like he's doing really well. Obviously had to crack a joke about how he'll be ready <laughs> for training camp uh, in 2022. Um, but I like his attitude. And I think it goes back to something that we you just said also with like, who are your leaders on offense? You know, even though he's not out there and actually practicing, he's he showed up and mm -hmm. he's there um, as a leader. So, um, but I feel oddly confident that he's going to be out there week one. Yeah, it's I mean, and I don't know if it's just because that's who he is, but the fact that they're talking about the way that he's bounced back so efficiently already and the things that he's doing on the sideline that he likely shouldn't really be able to do yet kind of shows like one that he's farther ahead than maybe people were projecting at this point. And then two, just, yeah, knowing like that he's I, th I think he has like this quiet assurance that he'll be out there, which, you know. But I mean, I've, I'm seeing some of the comments talk about it before our, our special guest comes. Um, I don't know if he's here or not yet. Ben Braden, what an interesting emergence of a player. It, it seems to happen every offseason. There's the guest. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, we didn't even get to introduce you. <laughs> Hello, how's it going? All right, guys, some of you guessed it. It's not really that surprising, but we have Andy Herman on tonight. I thought you were still going to say it's not really that special. It's not really <laughs> that special at all. It's just Andy. Not, not just really Andy. No, you're special. You're just not surprising, really. That's fair. Um, yeah, see, everyone called it. Okay, Andy, we were kind of chatting about camp, but you were actually there. Um, so we just wanted to talk with you about kind of what you saw today, anything that stood out. I know it's like day one, so it's, you take everything kind of with a grain of salt, but like biggest takeaways. Yeah. So uh, again, so just to kind of walk people through, you know, what this kind of looks like. So one, it's not all that just because it's now mini camp and not OTAs, the practices had a million percent the same flavor and feel as they did basically the last couple of weeks with the OTA session. So it's really not that different um, for the, you start off and it's a lot of, just kind of like ball security fundamental type drills to begin with. And they all rotate through these different stations. Um, and then it's kind of each group going off in their own area and working on um, individual work. And then they kind of do some special team stuff. And for the most part, it's, it's fairly nondescript during that time period. And then you see a little bit of team activity. So you kind of go back, uh, you know, you, they do some kind of two minute drills and some stuff like that, which things ramp up, which is when you see all the beat writers and everything tweeting out who's lining up on the offensive line and where, what defense is lined up and things like that. And then you actually can start seeing, you know, the bullets fly a little bit and start to have some takeaways, but frankly, that, that time period isn't that long. And then they just kind of break off into separate groups, but now they're doing just like very slow walkthroughs. So 
in an hour and a half ish session, there's 90 players to watch. And there's also not a ton going on at the same time. So you're looking for something you can grasp on. So first of all, I think the big story, and if you kind of read through the lines of all the different people that were tweeting from practice was just some of the struggles with Jordan Love today. And again, it should a million percent be announced and known that this is mini camp number one. Uh, you know, I, yes, it's kind of similar to OTAs, but you, if you would have looked amazing or if he looks terrible, you don't pull a ton from that. It's just, it is what it is. It's basically fake football until about, you know, middle of training camp or and they're just in pennies, right? They're not even yes. in like pads, no pads yeah. nothing like that. So take, take it for, uh, you know, whatever grain of salt, but very similar to the last two weeks, right? Individual drills. Jordan Love looks much, much better, much more crisp. The ball is flying out of his hand. It looks much more accurate. He's doing better in the net drills. He's doing better with his footwork. Like everything looks better. And then in team, it sort of does not at all uh, look the same. So, and again, this is a young quarterback who's still looking. And you have one thing where you're thinking about whether that be your footwork, whether that be your progressions, whether that be who's supposed to be where everything go, falls apart. So you you, you become a half second late and all of a sudden you're half second late to your first read. And then you're trying to, and then you come back and now you're a second late to your second read and so on and so forth. So all that stuff can be, you know, very daunting for a young quarterback and all these reps are just insanely important for him. But in three practices now, I would love to tell you that there was one throw where I'm just like, man, he just stepped back, five-step drop, rocket arm, middle of the field, perfect pass through somebody open in three practices, there hasn't been one of those. He very rarely has attempted anything past five yards. And when he has, it has not been accurate and complete. So again, mm -hmm. take it for a grain of salt. But I think that was kind of the big takeaway today. That's now been three practices of that. Do you think that it's like Matt LaFleur, what he's like having Jordan do, or it's Jordan's choosing not to do that? It seems without knowing what they're calling, it seems like they're being maybe a bit more vanilla in some of the stuff that they're calling and some of the quick passes and stuff like that. But it's also not all that by any means there there's a difference. There's a difference between a Tom Brady check down, which is, or even an Aaron Rodgers check down, which is in the flow of the system. Mm -hmm. You read one way, you read two, you read three, there's nothing there. You quickly come back to your check down and they're good to go. There's a difference between that and thinking the entire way, looking a little panicky, not exactly being sure of your footwork, not exactly being sure of where to look, and then a panicky check down at the last second. And that's mm -hmm. what we saw a lot of over these last few practices with Jordan Love. So um, I think just not seeing the confidence, not seeing some of the those sort of things. And again, day one of mini camps. And even if you want to go like He's working with Devin Funches for the first time. He hasn't worked with EQ in the OTAs. He hasn't worked with, you know, he hasn't worked with a lot of yeah. these guys. So all of that's a degree of difference and it's not super surprising or super shocking. It sounds like he's just thinking too much, like just. Which is what you would expect. Yeah. And where you, so he's a developmental quarterback that got no exhibition, no mini camp, no OTAs a season ago, came into training camp, was the number three quarterback, played a full season behind Rodgers and Boyle, didn't get any meaningful snaps during that time, scout team mostly, comes in this season, Aaron Rodgers isn't there, Tim Boyle is gone. All of a sudden he's thrust into this, you know, pseudo number one role for the moment. And good luck, kid. Let's see what you got. And again, he. I think he's where we everyone expected him to be at this point when he was yeah. drafted. Yeah. Was it? Oh, go ahead, Perry. You can read it. All right. Isaiah Mickles, thanks for the chat. He said, I think fans are mad at love because the draft pick was unexpected and we needed help on defense at, in, at inside linebacker and love didn't help us win the next year. I mean, yeah. I don't know if fans are mad at Jordan Love. 
if they're mad, I think they're probably just like, like you said, mad that the pick was made over maybe a position of need, but Hey, it's now a position of need. <laughs> Cause Roger don't do that. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, sorry, bad joke. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I know Maggie and I are looking forward to training camp and we'll be up for the first preseason game, which presumably will be um, Jordan and and maybe some level of like Boyles or Bankard or whoever's on the roster at that point under center. And it'll be really telling to, you know, hear what you're saying today and see if there's been any hopefully growth by that point. Yeah. That's what, and that's what you're looking for at this point. I think that's kind of been the disappointing aspect is through three practices. Now that we've been at, you haven't seen, like any sort of like, again, there's not one throw where I can be like, man, just killed this one or like something you can grasp onto. So again, still thinking, but you want to start seeing little incremental signs of growth moving forward. And again, as we move into training camp, that'll be the big thing. So before we shift to like other guys, I did want to ask, I don't remember who asked the question, so it could have been you, Andy, don't get offended if it was you, but I I think it was, it was to Luke Getzey, but somebody did ask him about the number of checkdowns and just like, is that appropriate for him? Like, how, how do you read that? And I think Getsy kind of said, like, if that's what he thinks is the best decision in the moment, like, that's what they're kind of assessing is that quick thinking and, you know, the ability to kind of hit the check down if he needs it. But from what we're hearing from you, it kind of sounds like maybe it's not his best read and it's more of like a scared check down and not like that's what made sense in the rep. So, uh, yes and no. So it is impossible. So we're on the sideline. They're going this way, right? So it's near impossible, and we're at eye level. So it's near impossible for us to see, especially as I'm watching Jordan Love, like what's developing down the field. Like if you're in an end zone view, maybe up a little bit, you can kind of see routes develop and stuff. In um, in this situation, I have no idea, and I'm not going to pretend that I know if receivers are open, if he had a better read, if any, you know, it, it legitimately could be that through three practices, he's going through his progressions the right way, doing everything that he's supposed to, and the defense is just winning, and the receivers aren't there. That is within the realm of possibility. Um, But the way that he's looked when going through progressions and and it's not like a clean, crisp, like, all right, I've reached the fourth point of my progression. I need to get the ball out of my hands and check it down sort of thing. It is more of a, uh, (laughs) (laughs) sort of thing. So um, I think that's that. And again, if you check down five out of six times, and then rifle two 15 yard outs in a, you know, deep post or something like that. Who the hell cares? You probably took the right read. Um, But well, in a lot of it, a lot of it was scripted quick throws to the outside, quick outs, quick things like that. Um, But again, there hasn't been three practices that I've seen unless I missed something. There hasn't been a throw where it's been three, five, seven step drop and just gorgeous ball down the field over the middle. Anything that you can say like, all right, we're, we're getting progress there. And you know that he can do it. Like we've seen, you know that he has the arm. Yeah, I'm waiting wait for it. And, and again, one of the hardest things with practice is you don't know what they're working on. And this is not a game situation. Jordan Love is not trying to go down the field and beat the defense. That's not, you know, that's a part of the drill or whatever. You're trying to do the best that you can in that. But if he's working on a specific piece of his footwork, if he's working on a specific arm angle, if he's working on a specific something and your mind's just focused on that at the moment, like what they're trying to ask them to do, or they might say like, Hey, we want, there could legitimately be a situation where Matt LaFleur and Luke Getzey say, 
we don't want you to throw the ball until you get to your fourth read. We want to see you drop back, five-step drop, read one, read two, read three, dump the four. That that legitimately could be a thing. Do I think that it's it? Probably not. But we don't know what they're practicing and what they're trying to accomplish in any individual drill. So you have to really be careful with grading or evaluating a practice snap because um, if, if they could be working on one thing and if we're trying to evaluate something else, it, it looks completely different and completely off. So got to be right. careful with it. Right. Wow. Very interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, still excited. Not overreacting. Um, besides Jordan Love, obviously all the wide receivers weren't at any kind of non-mandatory camp, but they all showed up today, um, which I know is like kind of a, a storyline, if you will, but they were all there. Um, I know it was said like Devontae was kind of off on his own, doing his own thing, sounded like he was just being kind of cautious and like not, but how, how did the receivers look? Yeah, I thought the receivers looked well. I didn't get a a ton of chance to watch specifically the wide receivers, but you could tell there was a tangible difference at the wide receiver position with the main guys there with Alan Lazard there with EQ working um, those sort of things. Like you could just see and feel a difference where things were just a little bit more crisp. Um, A lot of balls on the ground during practice. I remember drops from Dominique Daphne, um, Bailey Gaither had a drop. Uh, There were like, I think Isaac Nauta had a drop in, in individual drills. There were a lot of balls that were hitting the ground, but um, overall I thought the receivers looked much better. And again, you could just tell a different level of professionalism with the main guys there with MBS, EQ, Lazard, et cetera. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know you said it's hard, you know, you basically have a minute to devote to each guy if it's a 90 minute practice, but did you get any glimpse at Amari Rogers on special teams or was that not really a focus of the practice? The only thing I saw was that he was the first guy up in punt return drills. So um, obviously that's a good sign for him. And I mean, frankly, there's not exactly a ton of depth of returners on the roster. So um, if it was not him, I guess it would probably be a little bit surprising. But um, I actually didn't even see the the punt that he got went back. I didn't see if he caught. I saw the next one where um, was it DeAndre Tompkins, the new guy. Uh, he muffed the punt and they jumped on it right away. So not a great sign for him. But other than that, I didn't get to see too much on special teams. Well, and that's why, like, I know, you know, the comments are talking about how there's like 800 wide receivers, give or take, on the roster right now. But <laughs> Bailey Gaither, like, as somebody from San Jose State, I know that Packers fans kind of are looking at him a la James Jones. But I think that if he's making the roster in any capacity, that kind of could be his little his little way into the roster is any type of special teams, because we've seen that he can return punts and kicks if maybe Amari is either not in that position or he's too vital to the offense to serve that role too yeah he had a really great ota in the second week of otas had a touchdown pass from blake bortles where he laid out made a diving catch uh, made another play where he you know caught a quick pass and had a nice run after the catch after that um so he's had some moments where he stood out today the only thing i saw of gaither was the drop pass in team drills where it went right off his hands so obviously those sort of things can't happen if you're bailey gaither but um he has been so i think to me probably the like undrafted slash unknown guy um, that has stood out the most. I know Begleton had a drop today too. Um, so yeah, I think I've, I've kind of said it wouldn't surprise me. You know, we know obviously Adams, MBS and um, Amari Rogers and Alan Lazard, those four spots are spoken for. Right. And then I think it wouldn't shock me if there was one spot for Devin Funches in EQ. And then the sixth spot was more of either a developmental guy or a special teams guy. Cause like Funches isn't playing special teams. EQ maybe will play a little bit, but it's not like he's going to be a core special teams guy. So 
you know, you start getting to the point where you really need that six wide receiver to potentially be somebody who can be a gunner, play on special teams, maybe be a returner, do some of those sort of things. So um, it would not shock me if, you know, whether it be a Bailey Gaither or one of the other guys snuck in as the number six. And again, there's maybe only one spot for either Funchess or EQ. Yeah. All right. Bryce Novak. Oh, you're, he's in my head. Um, <laughs> you think Stokes will start over King. And then he also said, super excited to see what he can do. Hype to see Dylan ball out Rogers or no Rogers. I'm here for it. So yeah, anything I know there was last week, a lot of talks, how Stokes looked really good, like nothing like flash or anything, just like pretty good in coverage. Did you see anything new from him today? Nothing today. I know he gave up one little small completion on the sideline, but nothing noteworthy. Um, and then, you know, he, he obviously has the speed and athleticism. He looks the part. As far as whether he's starting or not, Kevin King, Jair Alexander, Chandon Sullivan were still the top three corners yeah. in team activities. Um, so, um, excuse me, Savage and Amos at safety. And then when they brought in another one, it was usually Will Redmond as the sixth defensive back. So I know a lot of people weren't super stoked about that, but um, we'll see. You know, this is all you know, you do a lot of carryover from your previous season and start with players there. And then you let the competition kind of sort itself out over time. So we'll see what happens. I have a hard time believing that Eric Stokes, Stokes is going to be involved in the defense in some capacity sooner rather than later. Um, they're going to give him a shot to go out there and play. No question. Yeah. We talked about this on packs, which she said a little bit, like it would, it would make, I, my ex expectation is that who you just named is who starts week one and then throughout the season depending on what happens if you know god forbid knock on wood injuries happen or someone just like competes their way into a starting spot I, I wouldn't be surprised if Stokes ended up starting eventually but week one hard pressed to imagine that and there's a chance too that like they just want Eric Stokes to focus on one position to start off with right before you start putting him in the slot or going yeah. different areas like you just say hey just learn this one cornerback spot first get the fundamentals down learn the defense let's not give you too much and then as the season goes on we can kind of figure things out from there but I think they're smart in doing what I, I was talking to Wes Hodkovitz today actually about we were talking about Josh Jackson a little bit and how you know he obviously has the talent and the potential, but just hasn't been able to put it together. And I was saying, it's like, you wonder how much, you know, when you're a rookie and you just want to try to get in and get some confidence, they put him at slot in man-to-man -man coverage after he played outside in zone coverage his entire time at Iowa. Like, yes, you ultimately have to go out there and do your job, but like how, how difficult is that for you when you're a rookie and you just want something to grasp on that, like, okay, I can be good at this. And you're completely in the wrong position for what you're supposed to be doing. That doesn't help out a young player, help them gain confidence, feel like they can play in the league. Um, so, you know, start with what he's good at and then move on from there. I think they may be botched and I, who knows, maybe they start Josh Jackson out at outside corner and it's the same exact career arc that he's had up until this point. But I think you always want to start with what they do well, focus on that and then, you know, muddy things later if you want. Well, and I mean, I think we've talked about it before too, where the Packers kind of grasped at straws, picked up Demarius Randall, and he maybe should have been a starting safety like he was when he went to Cleveland and had, you know, a more successful couple seasons than the way that the Packers kind of utilized him. But since we're talking about corners, I do want to ask you about KB Anento because you are the president of that fan club now that Tim Boyle's gone. But before that, Jair Alexander, you know, you you mess mentioned Wes talking to him on rock report or maybe it was three things from the packers.com the thing is that jair looks massive like he seems to have put on some significant muscle does that kind of pass the eye test is that true or was that more just haven't seen him in a year 
I didn't see like from a, I took the picture of him. Honestly, I wasn't even like, I know last year people were talking about like Preston Smith looking like he like added weight and stuff. Like I am not looking at musculature and like, weight. <laughs> I'm just like, that's not like my thing. Like I'm, I'm looking at what they're doing out on the field and if it's good or bad. And um, I'm not necessarily trying to compare weights and see who's, who's at what, but I, I whatever freaking weight he was at, when Jair Alexander's out in the field, it does not take you long to recognize Jair Alexander out on the field. Like he just makes plays that humans don't make, like that even NFL football <laughs> players don't make. And it's just so fun to watch him play. And like, it, it's so ins- like it, you guys will obviously be at training camp for anyone that goes out to training camp. If you're there for multiple days, dedicate a day to watching Alexander one day and Devontae Adams another day. And Adams, I even think to a higher degree than Alexander, but to watch those two and how they go about practice and how they go about the details and how they go about getting better every day. Those are two rare, rare guys. And they are so fun to watch, whether it's in practice on a game day. Um, And today with Jair was no different. Well, I'm definitely going to be committing a day to watching Jair Alexander. I already have that (laughs) penciled into my schedule. Um, Wow. Yeah. Anything else from today that stood out to you? I kind of want to hear about the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing on the offensive line was Royce Newman was once again, getting some snaps with the the number ones at right guard. So that seems to be like something that could be a thing. Obviously Ben Braden at left tackle. I know you guys were talking about him right before I came on, but um, he was number one with the, the, you know, left tackle, obviously with Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, both not, or Bakhtiari out. And then, you know, for injury reasons and um, Jenkins out with uh, COVID protocol stuff. So uh, Braden was at left tackle, then John Runyon Jr. Myers at center, and then Lucas Patrick was the right guard, Billy Turner at right tackle. But then later, you know, so then in the second group, Royce Newman practiced at right tackle with the second team. Then they went back to the firsts. Everyone else was there, but Royce Newman was at right guard with the first team with Patrick not out there. And this is the second time they've rotated those two, um, both last week in OTAs and now this week in minicamp. So um, I think that that looks like a position. And you have to remember, right? So Bakhtiari is going to slot in at left tackle probably Josh Myers at center, probably Billy Turner at right tackle. And then Elton Jenkins is probably one of those guard spots. Now you've got, whether it's Lucas Patrick, John Runyon Jr. and Royce Newman, three guys who have all seen, and then Ben Braden too, who they said literally is competing for a starting spot. So assuming that Myers, Jenkins, Bakhtiari and Turner are four of your starters, which maybe, maybe not, but you would think that's a good chance. There's four guys arguably competing for one other starting offensive line spot. So at a position that maybe at one point you were questioning the depth a little bit, they're yeah. certainly opening up the competition along the offensive line. I was just going to ask you because going into the off season, you're like, Oh, sneaky. Like the depth isn't there. And now all of a sudden there's all these guys who could potentially start for the Packers. Yeah. I mean, certainly if, if Myers and Newman are good enough to play from day one, you obviously address that early in your top, you know, f- you know, four rounds of the draft by picking two guys. And certainly it seems like Myers is, is the far and away leader in the clubhouse to be the starter at center, you know, he's taken every snap with the ones there so far. So it certainly seems like that's within the realm of possibility. And then again, Newman getting snaps there already and having the versatility to kick out to right tackle as well. So we'll see what happens, but it definitely seems like they've got a little bit more depth there than maybe we thought. Yeah. So, I mean, I think looking at the comment section, you know, Yash Nyman has a little bit of a, a little hive going on where everybody wants to know how he's doing. I mean, has Ben Braden kind of usurped him on the depth chart as far as maybe like a backup swing tackle if there's only one or, 
I guess two or even probably more likely one that makes the roster. Yeah. I mean, if you want good news for Yash, I think that probably the good news is that there's just not many pure tackles on the roster, right? Even Ben Braden is probably ideally a guard. Royce Newman, probably ideally a guard. Um, It's basically Bakhtiari at left tackle, Billy Turner at right tackle, and then a bunch of guys that were probably better positioned to play guard, but maybe a couple of guys who can swing out and kick the tackle if need be. That said, when you start doing some of the logistics and math in your head of how many offensive linemen they could keep and you know how many guys they drafted over the last two seasons and now Ben Braden's in the conversation and like you start going through, not many open slots left for a guy like Yash Nijman. And what I mean, they obviously invested two seasons into him to say, hey, we think you could be something and we're going to basically make you a red shirt player for two seasons just to keep you around and see if you might develop into something. And I did a video today on YouTube of like make or break backers. This is a make or break offseason for Yash Nijman and whether or not he can really make an impact and show that he's ready to play. Um, I think preseason is going to be huge for him. It doesn't matter if he's with first, second, third team. It doesn't matter if he goes out and he plays amazing. This is a guy that looks the part and you, you know, when you're just lining up 90 guys against the fence and you're picking players for teams like Yosh is number one or like, you know, the top five of guys that you're just picking based off of looks on the roster. If he goes out and kills it in preseason, you're going to be like, I'm, I'm not giving up on that guy. I am finding a way to keep him on the roster. He goes out and struggles and you're like, all right, we've invested three seasons. He still doesn't got it. Sorry. I don't care how you look. It's we're going to go in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go back to KB Nento because I want to hear about him. <laughs> so KB I mean, is so unique. So this is a guy undrafted two years ago who played wide receiver in college and he comes in in training camp that year, immediately caught my eye. Now, guys who have caught my eye now for the most part was Bobby Tunyon in his first year. Uh, Tim Boyle, Raven Green was a guy that caught my eye. KB Nento was a guy that caught my eye. So like those are some of the guys that like – Obviously, we're, and I should say Alex Light too, which hasn't turned out quite as well. But um, those are guys that, you know, undrafted type players that I like, you can see some potential in. KB Nento is unequivocally one of those guys. So, again, played wide receiver, switches the corner, comes in his first training camp. He is making plays all over the place, showing ridiculous ball skills, gave up some plays too. No question about it. Definitely gave up some plays, but also showing up a ton and really being, you know, one of the guys that stood out at practice on more than one occasion goes down with an injury, makes it through the season. I, I I honestly forget whether it was like IR, if he made it through to the practice squad or what the situation was, but stayed on the roster through the entirety of the season goes into year two, looks good in camp. Again, looks like he's going to earn a roster spot, earns a 53 man roster spot, but gets hurt uh, a couple weeks before camp uh, closes and they keep him on the roster just so they can put him on IR and don't have to release him. So they put him on IR so they could potentially bring him back, but he stays on IR the entire season. But it just goes to show you in year two um, how much they or how highly they felt about him that they were going to keep him on the 53, even though he was banged up and didn't get to complete training camp. He looks the part to a crazy level. Like he is built well. He you know drives to the football well. He's got good athleticism, really good wide receiver level ball skills at corner. Like he very much looks the part. He's also in a Raven Green territory where you got to stay on the field or it's not going to matter. And like Raven Green, who had three seasons of basically consistent injuries, KB Nento in his first two consistent injuries. This is again a make or break for him where 
And man, if he can just stay healthy, I'm really excited about him. Now we're still talking about what maybe the fifth or sixth corner on the roster. Right. I'm not saying when he's going to start, but um, for a guy like KB and Ento, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I mean, you'd have to imagine that he would have a significant role on special teams at that point, you know, as kind of the fifth or sixth guy, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear he's doing well. Cause he was one of my favorites. I think it was like 2019 preseason before he got hurt. So yeah, Good no, I'm excited him. to see what he what he looks like in, in preseason games and stuff like that. But I'm I'm hopeful he can still kind of make his way in a roster. But he's off to a good start. Love it. Sounds like you managed to see and take in a lot, even <laughs> though you're just one person and there's 90 guys. Trying my best. I mean, again, it's it's weird because you go through these lulls where there's not much going on, and then you're trying to make as many observations as you can. Um, I thought Kamal Martin moved very well in practice. I'm not saying he made any big plays or anything like that, but just kind of going through some of the linebacker drills and even a couple plays that he made in team, thought he was moving really, really well. And you could see, again, that raw athleticism. For him, it's shoulders up, right? He just has to learn the defense, know where you're supposed to be, he plays with his head on fire and you love the aggressiveness, but it's probably year two slowing down and just kind of taking everything a tad bit slower and making sure your assignment's sure. But man, the athleticism's definitely there. If there's anything else, it was cool to see Jonathan Garvin get the reps with the one with Preston and Zedarius out. I didn't note anything that he did, but um, he was 20 last year. He's 21 right now. Like wow. he's still super young. Uh, you know, so, and they don't have a fourth guy, right? It's Preston, Zedarius, Gary, and then, you know, so he has the opportunity to earn that number four spot. So he got that first look today and and hopefully he can take advantage of it. I thought he played well when he got in a season ago. I think it was more some of just the assignment stuff. They ended up going with Ramsey over him later in the season. I think special teams played a part in that as well. But um, I thought Garvin, when he got in, like he, he looked like he was, not far off from being able to contribute. So I'm, I'm, he's somebody I'm excited to watch as well. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm a big fan. I think mostly because of his nickname, but. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Garvin? What's yeah, his nickname? The Spider. Ah, gotcha. Which was my school mascot. So um, weight I- fluctuations and nicknames is not my. <laughs> hey, Andy, let me let you go. Cause you've been here for so long and we're super appreciative. Was Kenny at practice today too? Yeah, Kenny Clark, he was there. Okay, cool. I saw nothing about him, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but one of the things like that's really interesting and why you probably hear more about certain players. And um, this is like something that I'm learning as well. When you're in the individual drills, defensive linemen are way the hell down that way mm-hmm. and you can barely see them. And then like offensive linemen are way across the other end of the field and you can barely see them. And then you've got, I'm trying to think through like corners over there, uh, which are a little bit tough to see. And then like, you've got linebackers right there where you can see the running backs are right in front of you where you can see. um, And then like wide receivers are down there where you can see. So like there's certain positions where like through the majority of practice, you can see very, very well. Quarterbacks are obviously usually pretty easy to see as well. So like there's positions you can see. And then there's other positions where you're just like, I can't say anything because I literally can't even see them. That makes a lot of sense. I'm loving so don't hear much about defensive linemen. Yeah. It's, part of it's because they're spending a quarter of practice at least where we have zero visibility on them. Sneaky. Exactly. I, wonder if they, I wonder if they position them on purpose or if it's just random. You never know. Who we want to hide from the media. Yeah, exactly. Ben Braden is who you want to hide from the, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yes. He's the secret. Ben Braden season. We're just living in it. <laughs> uh, okay, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. I know I asked you like literally super last minute, but um, awesome. appreciate it. It was great to hear about camp and just basically 
throw questions at you. Um, yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for sharing all your observations with us. Appreciate you it. Bet. You guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks for having me thanks, on. Thanks, Andy. That was fun. Thanks, was Andy. Fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I did. Like, this is all about learning. We're learning so much on the live show. Is this our new thing? Um, learning? Yeah, we're learning. I'm learning. I was going to say, as a teacher, yes, I promote learning. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for us. <laughs> love that journey for us. Um, okay, if you want to send in a couple more questions, we have a couple minutes, but um, Maggie, why don't we just kind of share what's going on with us while we wait for maybe some more questions? Then we'll um, wrap things up. Yeah, for sure. Do you, if you like this hat I'm wearing, it says Pax What She Said. You can get your own stylish dad cap. Father's Day is right around the corner um, through the packs which she said Teespring. Um, yeah, what else do we? I mean, there's not much going on until we are literally in training camp in August. We will be yeah. there. We have an Airbnb for a full week. We'll be hanging out, hoping to do a lot of collabs with a ton of different Packer people. So it's going to be a busy week. Um, we started Twitch. So if you like Twitch, you're on Twitch, you're into Twitch, I just like saying the name. Um, we're there. Packs which she said super original and innovative um and we're Literally gonna be though. doing i know and we're gonna be doing um some videos on there just some you know content and if there's things that you want to see i guess let us know we're always looking for new fun ideas um we'll obviously be back with a regular episode of the podcast this week always trying to just get some guests on for the summer but yeah like maggie said i think the big the big uh, the big show is going to be in August when we're when we're up in Green Bay. Perry's first time in Green Bay. I can't I cannot wait. <laughs> so excited. Maybe Maggie will post the video of me crying at Lambo the first time I see it. It would be an honor That'd to post that because <laughs> um, it's going to happen. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, do you want to answer a couple more questions? Or are we are we wrapping this? I mean, I'm really enjoying the love puns. I almost said love and the love puns, but that's we're loving you know, the love puns. We're loving the love puns. Yeah, love keep them love. coming. It was just um, McLovin's like 30th birthday, wasn't it? 50th 40. birthday? 40. Sure, I was close. Yeah. There, there's good. another joke for you guys in the comments. Something there about McLovin. There we go. All right, Nags, we're uh, we're gonna say goodbye to the people here. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. As always, this was really fun. Um, we'll be back with our monthly. It'll be back to normal so I guess it'll be in three weeks instead yeah. of four weeks um, we'll be back to the first Tuesday of the month check out the podcast on all of your streaming platforms and of course at Cheesehead TV we're always there um, we'll, we'll miss you we'll see you in a couple weeks and uh, <laughs> we'll miss you <laughs> we'll miss you find us on Twitter <laughs> at Maggie J. Loney uh, myself at Perry underscore Goldstein and uh, talk to you soon yeah thanks guys uh -huh.